sing that chorus a cappella, all right? So we'll sing together. Ladies, go drop out and get to the chorus. Ready? Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His
Jesus is criticized by the scribes and Pharisees. He doesn't fit their mold. He doesn't live up to their expectations. He doesn't act the way that they think he should act. What is it that he's guilty of in their books? He's guilty of receiving and eating with sinners. Now, in response to the criticism of the scribes and Pharisees, Jesus tells them three stories or three parables. A story about a lost sheep, a story about a lost silver coin, and a story about a lost son. 
In all the stories, something is lost, but then it's found. And after it's found, a celebration ensues. You'll find the stories in Luke chapter 15. I'd ask you to turn there and look at them with me. Now, in the last story, the story of the lost son, that's the one we've been looking at in particular over the last several weeks. We've been unpacking the truths found in what we know as the parable of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15. I'd like to read it again, and I'd like you to follow along as I read Luke chapter 15, beginning at verse 11. Luke 15, 11 says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father. And will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion. And ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants... Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fatted calf here and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. The story never gets old, does it? But you know what? Many people, they end the story right here. They forget to do what Paul Harvey used to do on a daily basis. Tell the rest of the story. There is another part to the story. You get a clue of it in the very beginning of the story. Look back at verse 2. It says, a certain man had two sons. We know the younger son's the prodigal that leaves and then returns in repentance and is received and welcomed. But if you skip the... Second son, if you skip the older son, you really miss out. If you skip the older son, you miss a key to the parable and its meaning. So let's tell the rest of the story today. Pick up your reading there at verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years I've been serving you. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came who's devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. 
And he said to him, son, you're always with me. And all that I have is yours. It it was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again. And was lost and is found. Now the older son is often overlooked. He's the missing character in many people's minds when they think about this parable. We're going to call him today the angry brother. We looked at the the prodigal son and we looked at the loving father. But today we look at the angry brother, angry son, I should say, the angry son. Understand once a Sunday school teacher had the rapt attention of her first grade class as she told the story of the prodigal son. And she described in great detail the wonderful party and the sumptuous feast that the father gave the son who was found. Then she looked at her first grade class and she said, but there was one who wasn't happy about all the celebration. There was one who did not want to attend the party. Who was that? A little boy in the class raised his hands, her hand and he said, I think it was the fatted calf. <laughs> Smart boy, isn't he? You didn't think about that, did you? And I I imagine that's probably right. The fatted calf was not interested in attending that party. But the older son was not interested in attending that party. That's the answer she's looking for. He's angry. In fact, if you go back and read all the stories, and we've studied them all if you've been with us over the last several weeks. We looked at those three stories in the, uh, I think it was the first message we did. Everybody ends up joyful except one person in the story. The older brother, the older son. Now, remember the occasion of Jesus telling the story. He's telling it as a result of criticism he's received. Those tax collectors and those sinners, they are pictured in the story. And it's very clear they're pictured by the prodigal son who comes home to the father. But what about the scribes and Pharisees? What about those who were criticizing Jesus? Where are they in the story? Well, it's pretty clear, isn't it, when you read the whole story? They're pictured by the older, angry son, the older, angry brother. Now, the older son is angry at the father for the same reason that the scribes and Pharisees are upset with Jesus. Did you notice that? Look at what, why they're upset again. Look at verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes complain, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Isn't that what the father did? He received the prodigal son... A sinner who returned to repentance and he had a celebration. He ate with them. And so we find that he's upset. You see, the grace of the father was too much for the older son. You know, some people, uh, they're amazed by the grace of God. I am. I hope you are. But instead of being amazed by God's grace, the older son is infuriated by the father's grace. He's mad. He's angry. He, in his mind, the prodigal son deserved to be cast out, but instead he's welcomed home. He deserved wrath, but instead he receives love. Praise the Lord. When you think about this in regards to us, beloved, what Jesus does is he shines a spotlight on these scribes and Pharisees and he shows them for who they really are. That is, they too are lost and in need of a Savior. 
And Jesus is trying to get through their self-righteousness and their hardened hearts to help them understand that they too need Jesus. In fact, do you notice in the story? You know, we looked at last week with the prodigal son, we saw the love of the father. It was a love looking. He was looking for his son. It was a love that ran, love running. We saw love kissing as he embraced his son. But did you notice in regards to the older brother, we have love pleading? Did you notice what it says that he went in and pled? He was pleading with his older son to come in to the party. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. It wasn't just the tax collectors and blatant visible sinners who needed Jesus. The scribes and Pharisees needed Jesus as well. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The scribes and Pharisees needed to understand that. They needed to see their own need of Christ. Look at the parable again. Let me share three important truths with you real quickly this morning. Number one, I want you to notice that being moral, being moral doesn't make you right with God. Being moral doesn't make you right with God. I find the words of the older son very interesting. Look again at verse 30. He says this to his father in anger. But as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. I think it's obvious that the older son was a very moral person outwardly. No one could accuse him of going off and spending time with harlots. He wouldn't even speak to a harlot, I'm sure. And yet he looks at his younger brother and he says, look at him, look at his immorality, look at his sin. I want you to understand, beloved, listen, it is possible to live a good, moral, decent life and die and go to a devil's hell. You need to understand that. Morality does not make one right with God. It does not give you a right standing with God. Outwardly, this older son may have been sparkling clean, but look at his heart. He's angry. He's resentful. He's bitter. In fact, he lashes out at his father. He's seething with anger. He would not even acknowledge his brother. Did you notice that in the scripture? He says, as soon as this son of yours came, not my brother, the son of yours. You see, being moral, being a moral person does not make you right with God. There's a second thing here. As you look at the passage and think about the story, we realize that being well thought of in the community doesn't make you right with God. What do you mean, preacher? Well, to everybody in that village, the older son was the good son. He's the son that stayed behind with the father. The younger son had publicly disgraced his family and his father, but not the older son. In fact, he stayed home. He served faithfully. Look what he says in verse 29. He says, Lo, these many years I've been serving you. I've never transgressed your commandment at any time. Now, it's well known that the older son would one day be in charge. He had received his inheritance as well, by the way. Did you notice back in verse number 12, it says he divided to them his livelihood. The way things worked by then, he would have received a greater inheritance being the older son. But he wouldn't take possession of it until his father died. So there he is. One day he's going to be the next in charge, the head of household. 
I'm sure there are those in that village who thought that one day he's going to be a fine pillar of the community. He's the good son. Others, no doubt, thought very highly of him, especially when they thought about his younger prodigal brother. They thought very highly of this older brother. That is up to this point. Now the older son is actually disgracing his father by refusing to come into the celebration. What I want you to understand is, beloved, you can be the most well-liked, well-thought-of, well-spoken-of person in the entire area, but that will not make you right with God. We need to wake up to this, beloved. We need to understand the moral people, they need Jesus. The pillars of the community, they need Jesus. Those people are just as lost as the harlot. Why? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Being moral doesn't make you right with God. Being well thought of, being a pillar of the community, uh, uh, doesn't make you right with God. But there's a third thing here you need to understand, and that's this. Being religious doesn't make you right with God. You see, it's not religion that you need, it's a relationship. Go look back at verse 29 again. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. That word serving is very interesting in the original language in the Greek. It's the Greek word for slave or being in bondage. What he's saying is, I've been your slave. I've been in bondage. There's no love relationship here. He's not serving the father out of love. He feels like he's in bondage. He's resentful. I've been serving you. Notice what he says next. I never transgressed your commandment at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat. that I might marry my friends. Isn't that a picture of religion? Working hard to find acceptance, but always coming up short. He's furious. The sinning brother who repents, the prodigal, he gets a fatted calf. The older son doesn't even give a young goat. He's furious. You see, religious works, trying to earn your way, will always leave you unsatisfied. Why? It's not religion you need. It's a relationship with the Father. And Jesus wanted the scribes and Pharisees to see that. It wasn't religion, it's a relationship. You see, the Father wanted the older son to come into the feast. The Father wanted to fellowship with the older son as well. But the older son would not. To remind your beloved, we cannot, we do not earn and work our way to heaven. We cannot know the Father by earning or working enough. The Bible is clear in Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works as anyone should boast. You see, the prodigal son, what can he boast about? The only thing he could boast about is the grace of the Father. That's the only thing he had to boast about. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he was unworthy. He knew he was not even worthy to be called a son. He just wanted to be a hired servant. But the father graced him in so many ways. And the only thing the prodigal son could do is boast in the grace of the father. But what's the older son boasting in? He's boasting in his own works. Notice what he said. I never never transgressed your commandment. He suffered from self-righteousness. When I look at him, he sounds like the rich young ruler, doesn't he? When he comes and says, ah, I've kept all those commands. Yeah, I've done them all. But you know what's sad to say, beloved? There are many like the older son today. 
They think that they should be accepted because of what they've done instead of because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for them. Sad to say, many will wait until it's too late to repent of their sin and accept the grace of God and the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most chilling passages in all the Bible comes to mind. Matthew 7, 22 and 23. says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Cast out demons in your name? Done many wonders in your name? The next verse says, And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye who practice lawlessness. That's chilling. Those oh, I'm laboring, I'm working, I'm working, but they never have a relationship with the Father. Beloved, please hear me. Being moral, being well thought of by others, being religious, being as good as you can be, being the best person in the world will not make you right with God. There's only one way. Jesus said it plainly in John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says it this way, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes in the righteousness. With the mouth, confession is made into salvation. Listen, beloved, everyone needs Jesus. Everyone does. Now, the story seems to end so abruptly, doesn't it? He tells this story. The prodigal's rejoicing. The, the older son's outside. He's furious. He's angry. The father is pleading. And it seems that Jesus leaves the crowd hanging there that day. He doesn't finish the story. He leaves us hanging today. He doesn't finish the story. In other words, did the older son, did he go in? Did he get right with the father? Did he get right with his brother? Why didn't Jesus finish the story? Well, here's why. Because the ending was up to each one of those scribes and Pharisees there that day. Because that's a picture of them. The ending was up to them. They had to choose if they were going to come and enter a relationship with the father through his son, the Lord Jesus. And beloved, the ending is up to you today. If you've never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's up to you. The invitation's gone out to you. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will may come. That includes you. You see, you may come home to a father who loves you. You may join the celebration today. I encourage you to repent and place your faith in Jesus Christ alone. I want to ask everyone to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around, nobody talking, nobody stirring. Real quickly this morning, I want to ask you, are you lost today? You say, well, I'm a good person. I'm a moral person. I'm a decent person. I'm a religious person. Beloved, that won't make you right with God. Jesus says, I'm the only way. And today you need to come and repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and place your faith in Jesus Christ. Everyone needs Jesus. And so I want to invite you today when we sing the closing hymn, if you've never met the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior, to come, I'll be standing down front. 
And just come and say, I want to know Jesus. And I'll take you in place with someone who loves you and loves Jesus. They'll sit down with the Bible and explain the gospel to you and help you. And lead you home to a father who loves you. Through the son who died for you and rose again for you. Everyone needs Jesus. But you know, as I was preaching and preparing this today, I want to speak to a moment. I speak a moment to those of us who already know Jesus. Do you really understand and grasp the lostness of people? Could it be that we're guilty of looking at good, moral, decent folk and saying, oh, they've got to be right with God. Oh, oh, they've got to be saved. When in reality, they may not be. You see, Jesus died and lives for not only those who are heinous and wicked and evil in our eyes. He died for those folks that we look at and say, wow, look at him, look at her. They're a pillar of the community. Yes, but they're a lost sinner who needs Jesus. And God God has given us the job to share the gospel with everyone. And I wonder today if maybe you need to open your eyes afresh and anew to realize the lostness of people and the need to share with them the gospel. And maybe even this morning, God has laid someone on your heart that you need to share the gospel with. You need to talk to. Might be one of the best people in the world to you. But they do not know Jesus Christ. They will die and spend an eternity in a horrible place called hell. Far away from God. That's not his desire. It's not your desire. Would you take the gospel to them? Would you share with them the love of the Father? The grace of God. through The gospel of the Lord Jesus. Now God we thank you for this time in your word and I thank you for opening our eyes again today to the lostness of people no matter what their outward exterior may reveal we know that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked and that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God I thank you for your grace oh God I thank you for it I thank you that you receive in fellowship with sinners who will come in repentance and faith. I pray if there's an older son in the group here today, one who maybe is boasting in their own self-righteousness and their own good deeds, trying to make and earn their way, I pray today your Holy Spirit would pierce their heart and show them there's only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time in your word. Thank you for this invitation. What you're going to do in Jesus' name. Amen. I trust the invitation is clear. You're invited to come today. 309, I've wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. 309, we'll stand and sing. You come today, you need to be saved, you come. Already know the Lord. You want to come and pray. You want to come and give a burden to the Lord. Someone on your heart, you come today. But open your eyes, beloved, and realize that there are many, 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 many lost people around us. They come in all shapes and sizes, all kinds of exteriors. But everyone needs Jesus. 309, let's stand and sing.